Coffee Break, where Helena comes to talk. And good morning, Stuart Davison for Troy Shockley on this Wednesday edition of Coffee Break. Of course, Coffee Break is brought to you by Versant Real Estate Group. If you have a property that fits the needs of their buyers, call David at Versant. That is 459-8565. We've got a very important show today as I am joined right now by Gina Baysdorfer with the Friendship Center. Hello, Gina. How are you doing? Good. Thank you very much. I'm so excited to be here today. Well, we're so glad to have you. This is her radio debut, so I'm so <laughs> excited to introduce you to the world, Gina. Um, but again, doing a lot of good things at the Friendship yeah. Center. We're going to talk about that. And plus, starting tomorrow, uh, it's a big month for uh, sexual assault awareness because people, it's kind of an abstract word a lot of times. Mm-hmm. People hear about sexual assault, and, and it incorporates a lot of different connotations. And of course, it sometimes seems so far away, but it also is right next door a lot of the times and we don't even know it we're going to get into a lot of that but before we do can we kind of just talk about let the listeners know what the friendship center does as far as helping people whether it's domestic violence or or helping individuals in distress yeah absolutely the friendship center provides a lot of services so we serve anyone who's been a victim or survivor of domestic violence sexual assault stalking our services uh, cover a wide range and so we do have an on-site shelter so for people leaving an immediate crisis situation have a very high safety concern we often have that as an option that we can offer to them and then we do a lot of non-shelter services too and so we provide a lot of crisis intervention we do safety planning limited financial assistance we can sometimes help people get safe phones, help with transportation, working with the criminal justice system, things like that. And so we do a lot of direct services, and then we also do a lot of prevention and education work. And so getting the word out about these issues, about the Friendship Center, what people are experiencing, and then ways that we can help them. And so Sexual Assault Awareness Month is a big piece of that. And so really wanting to, in the month of April, dedicate that space specifically to sexual assault and the unique things that those victims and survivors experience. And we're going to move into that. But first, First, yeah. where is the Friendship Center located? And if somebody needs help, how do they contact you guys? Do they just go or do they call or what? Or what? You know, sometimes they can't because, like you say, they don't yeah. even have access to a phone. Yeah, so the Friendship Center is located in Helena. We do serve the Tri-County area, though. So we serve Lewis and Clark, Broadwater, and Jefferson. We are accessible 24 hours a day, seven days a week through our crisis line. So people can call our office at 442-6800. And if it's during business hours, they'll get someone right away. After hours, it'll give them instructions for how to reach our crisis line. And then we are not a confidential location. So our shelter is attached to our building. And so people can come to our office and we're staffed Monday through Friday, uh, nine to five, Monday through Thursday and nine to four on Friday. Again, talking to Gina Baysdorfer with the Friendship Center as April starting tomorrow begins Sexual Assault Awareness Month. And again, a lot to unpack with sexual assault uh, because it can be physical, it can be mental with through harassment. Uh, it, it's a lot of people think that it can be, it, it, they can think it's for women, but it's also men can be sexually assaulted. So let's start to unpack what we are going to be talking about with Sexual Assault Awareness Month. Can you kind of break down what you guys at the Friendship Center are doing? I know that's a broad spectrum, but yeah. we'll, we'll kind of get into it of, of, of how you guys are promoting and giving awareness uh, to this tragic, tragic situation. Yeah, so we really want to do an awareness campaign that also feels very empowering. A lot of the issues and the crimes that we serve can feel really 
are really heavy. And so we really wanted to do something very empowering and have people feel like they can take action and do something. And so our campaign is It Starts With Me. I ask, I speak up, I believe. And so I ask for consent. I speak up when I, as a involved bystander, if I see something that feels unsafe or uncomfortable, and I believe. So I believe victims, I believe survivors, and I want to support them. And so we really want people to feel like they have a lot of power to affect change in this situation because they do. And so that is our campaign for this month. Statistics are really high. One in three women experience uh, sexual assault and uh One in four men also. And then when we speak about youth as well, one in four girls on average and one in six boys will be sexually abused before they turn 18. And Lewis and Clark County is no exception to that. And so there was Lewis and Clark, Jefferson and Broadwater, the Youth Risk Behavior Survey found that three out of every 20 high school students had experienced a form of sexual assault or sexual coercion within the last year. And so this is a prevalent issue, not only across the world and the nation, but also really specific to our local community members and things that were experiencing pretty frequently in our area i want to go back to a word that you said moments ago power it's it's a power is a big thing with this it's it's somebody exerting power over somebody or somebody giving or voluntarily or not voluntarily having to give up that power like you know talk about i guess when when people are victims of sexual assault a lot of times they feel maybe guilty or blame themselves Mm -hmm. that maybe it took place to begin with Absolutely. I think that shame and embarrassment and that responsibility is often something that the clients that we serve experience, they frequently feel that they played a part in it. And most sexual assaults occur by somebody that we know. So it's a trusted friend, an acquaintance, maybe it's a dating partner, something like that. And so the there's a lot of layers to those relationships and people often find themselves wondering, what did I do or what should I have done differently that could have prevented this? But ultimately, the responsibility lies with that offender, the person who took away that choice from the victim. And so that's something that we spend a lot of time talking about with our clients with what is consent and what rights do you have and what does that look like? And even the the legal definition of consent is affirmative consent. So you have to give consent for it to be considered consent. So somebody not saying no or somebody freezing in the moment or not fighting back is not Um, something that is a part of our legal definition anymore. Now the legal definition says you have to say yes for it to be considered consent and everything else is not considered consent. And so those are conversations too that we have with a lot of people as they're trying to figure out what was this experience and what did it mean for me and does it fit um, what we think of as sexual assault. Uh, how important was the the Me Too movement? I mean, that seemed like something that, that came around, I, I guess, uh, a couple years ago. And, and, you know, it really caught fire. It became kind of a celebrity cause. But it, it seemed to really help because it, it did empower a lot of people to come forward and feel a little bit more confident about yeah. saying, yes, this happened to me. I want to tell my story. Yeah, I think with all the crimes that we serve, we see that a lot where it really thrives in silence and it thrives in the darkness. And so the more that we can have conversations around it, the more that we can talk about what definitions are for these different issues and help people figure out what that experience is, learn how to intervene as a bystander, learn um, about believing victims, how to ask for consent, all of these different things, the more protected and safe we're going to be as a society overall. I think the other thing that is really important about those conversations and something that has come with that Me Too movement is being able to talk about rape culture and how that is really an insidious way that 
uh, permeates all of our society. So when we talk about jokes, uh, social media posts, uh, you know, things that we see in television shows or in movies and our radio um, or our songs, things like that, we see a lot of the of sexual assaults being made fun of or made light of or, um, you know, really minimized in a way. And that just perpetuates this idea that it's okay to treat people this way. It's okay to take advantage. It's okay not to ask for consent when in fact it's not okay. And so I think that conversation also around rape culture and being able to call out those jokes and say, hey, that's not funny or recognize it when we're watching um, TV shows or reading books or things like that is a really huge piece for people to be able to say for myself, this is what happened and that wasn't okay. But also from that bigger cultural picture and that systemic change that we're trying to create. No, I, I, I totally agree. You almost become desensitized to it in modern culture. Uh, it, it's one of these where you compartmentalize, unless it's happened to you directly, which has happened to a lot more people than I, I think the average person would think. But even here in the, the latest, you know, cultural event, the Pepe Le Pew thing. I mean, yeah. you, you know, you look at that. I, it, it seems like an innocent cartoon character, but at mm-hmm. the same time, what it represents, especially from that era, I guess, of time when it was when when it was coming out, uh, you know, it it it, per- it perpetrates these stereotypes and these yeah. ideas that that move forward. Yeah, absolutely. I think that it's it seems really small when you take one small instance by itself, but when you see those same messages over and over and over again in all these different places and all these different ways, it really adds up and it really continues that culture of violence that we have um, overall. And so being able to really get out there and provide that education and help people recognize that, I know that at some of the presentations that we've done at the high schools, we've gotten feedback from the students where they've said, I didn't realize that I was in a violent relationship until your presentation, or I didn't realize that I had experienced a sexual assault until your presentation and I don't really know what to do with that and so then reaching out for services and trying to figure out what do they do with that information now that they've learned that um, maybe what happened to them isn't you know it never quite felt right but they didn't necessarily know why and now they have some words to to put to what was going on in that moment the numbers and statistics are staggering but one that i keep coming back to is that people that are victims of sexual violence or sexual assault it's almost becomes a tragic cycle because it's more likely for it to be to happen mm-hmm. again yeah it is and we see that with uh we see that pretty often where we serve folks over years where they've had multiple instances of victimizations. And once you have that trauma in your background, you become in some ways more vulnerable to people that are really intentionally trying to prey upon that vulnerability. And so it's something that, you know, when we think about how can we intervene and that's where, you know, that speak up piece and how can we as bystanders, if we're seeing something that's inappropriate or unsafe, can we intervene in that? Or can we help to, can we believe our, the victims and survivors that come forward? Can we provide them that support, that validation and that bolstering so that they don't have those same vulnerabilities? And then how can we really tackle and shift the conversation onto the offenders because that's where the responsibility lies. And so a lot of our conversations is on our our clients and on our victims and what that experience is. And that's an important piece of the conversation so that they can be supported and receive the services they need. It's also really important for us to be able to focus on the offenders and how can we intervene so that we don't continue to see this crime happen over and over again. 
most offenses, it's a small number of people that commit the same crime over and over and over again. It's not that you know everyone out there is an unsafe person, but it's the small chunk of people that continue to perpetuate that same crime. Again, talking with Gina Baysdorfer from the Friendship Center as April, we move into April tomorrow, and it, it is Sexual Assault Awareness Month. Um, so what are some of the highlights that you guys are hitting on this month with, with Sexual Assault Awareness Month? Yeah, so April 1st is our first event, and I think it is going to be a really special event. So April 1st is Sexual Assault Survivors Day this month, and um, it is going to be called the Triumphs Through the Trauma. And so we have three survivors that are going to talk about their experience. And one of our advocates will be moderating that discussion and asking them questions about their experience and really how they triumphed through that trauma. And I think it'll be really good to have for people to hear what their experience has been because it's really easy sometimes when you're talking about this as an abstract concept to forget that we're talking about a human whose life was really impacted at a very deep level and so I think that'll be a really exciting panel so that starts April 1st from 6 to 7 p.m. people can see our full agenda and register on our website as well so it's uh, www.thefriendshipcenter.org and so there's a lot of information there we have uh, different sessions throughout the week. Some of them will have continuing education ability um, or to get that that credit for attending. And then we also have a national speaker on the 15th. And so I think that'll be something that will be really great for a lot of folks because it explores how stereotypes, bias, bullying, sexual harassment, all the ties between those, and then what it means specifically for teens. And so I think a lot of times as parents, we sometimes feel really uncomfortable. Like, how do we have this conversation with our kids? What does that look like? We want our kids to be safe, but these are also hard conversations to have and important ones. And so There'll be some strategies and some some suggestions for ways parents can interact with their teens in addition to that information. And then we have a whole bunch of other um, events, too, throughout the month. Yeah, and what you said about hearing somebody's, uh, you know, talk about how it impacted them personally. The um, I, I was attending a, an event a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, uh, about human trafficking mm-hmm. and and how that the beverage industry here in Montana is is coordinating with the DOJ and they're they're trying to look out for signs of yeah. this. And there was a young lady who had been human trafficked, and mm-hmm. and it really put you know a face and a, and a name onto something that is kind of abstract and it's a very powerful thing. So I would definitely encourage mm-hmm. anyone to go out and listen to these affirmations by. Uh, the, these individuals that are they're going to be speaking. Where's that going to be again? So it's all online okay. because of the pandemic. We right. felt like that was the safest way to host. And so it's a virtual platform for all of our different sessions. So people can register through our website. It'll be on Whova. And so people will be able to log in from wherever they're comfortable and you know have it on in the background or engage more actively. And so I think it'll hopefully be offer a lot of flexibility for people to attend when maybe you know childcare or other plans are harder to arrange. And so I think that'll be a really important thing. And, you know, when we talk about those statistics with one in three women and one in four men having experienced some form of sexual violence, those are high numbers. We all know somebody in our life or probably several people in our lives who have experienced this at some point and probably we don't know that they have. And so I think that's a really staggering statistic when you think about my life and my social circle if you take it that percentage, how many people do you know that's probably experienced this? Uh, obviously, the the physical damage that is done through such a violent act, but at the same time, the mental <clears throat> trauma is yeah. what is the lasting impact. The Friendship Center offering a therapy services and, and counseling. Everything? 
Yeah. So we used to have a therapist on staff and we don't currently, but we do have the ability to connect folks with therapists in the community and potentially not only help them get established, but potentially help fund some of that as well, depending on their insurance um, needs and their financial ability to do that. And so we work a lot with our local therapy providers and other partner agencies to make sure that people have access to that mental health care because it's so important for people to have that support and really have that trusted person who understands trauma and understands sexual assault to really process and work through what their experience has been with with uh, you know sexual assault awareness again back to the physical but it also sexual harassment the mental side of it as well that that falls under that umbrella of, of sexual assault doesn't it yeah sexual harassment certainly can um the laws are you know laws are really different depending on local different jurisdictions and so states define sexual harassment and sexual assault it's always slightly different and then we as a field take a much more broad approach to it and so sexual harassment is something that definitely falls into it and so you know things that people think about in terms of you know the the cat calling and groping and some of that stuff would definitely fall under our, our umbrella even though it may or may not necessarily rise to the level of a crime and then specifically sexual assaults and sexual intercourse without consent being the the two main laws for Montana um, are things that we see really often and we've seen uh, we saw a huge increase in our sexual assault numbers between um, 2018 and 2019. And then in 2020, you know, a lot of our referrals come through the hospital and with COVID, so we weren't able to respond the same way in the hospital. And so we saw a slight dip in our numbers, but law enforcement saw a significant increase. And so we feel really confident that this is a crime that is continuing to occur, is increasing in prevalence and that people are really needing to and wanting to engage in those services and so wanting to make sure that we're out there and people know who we are and that they can connect to us and really finding ways to get into our rural communities where people don't have consistent phone access or don't have transportation ability and getting to Helena is not as easy for them. And so that awareness campaign is really important for people on those that farther stretches of our service area where they don't necessarily have as many resources can still know that we exist and can get help. And there seems like there's a stigma uh, for for people that are victims of sexual violence that nobody's going to believe me. Absolutely. And and there have been instances in the past where, you know, law enforcement might not have taken it as seriously. How has that changed or how is that changing? How are you trying to help move that uh, needle as far as, you know, strengthening laws and giving more rights to the victim? Yeah, I think that's a really great question. I think the more that we can educate the people on what sexual assault is and what that experience might look like, what what sexual assaults itself looks like because some people again when we think about consent and other things if it's their dating partner or an acquaintance they're much more likely to minimize what happened or try to figure out what they did and it's a really self-protective response in a lot of ways victim blaming in and of itself um, you know if I can blame that person and say they caused this in some way then I can feel really comfortable that I this isn't going to happen to me if I can pinpoint why this happened to them then I can protect myself I'll be safe and I can feel safer moving through the world and so the more education that we can provide and shifting that focus again away from the victim but back on to the offender who is responsible for having committed the assault, the more that I think people will feel that they can believe victims, the more victims will experience that 
um, from people that they share with. And we know from that trauma response, people, the the first person they disclose to that response is often um, in a lot of ways what dictates their trauma response going forward. So if the first person they disclose to says that they don't believe them or is really victim blaming towards them, they're much more likely to experience significant PTSD and struggles coping and processing with that experience versus somebody who discloses and the first reaction is support and validation and belief for what their experience was. And so when, you know, when we come back to our campaign and really just, you know, wanting people to talk about consent and I ask and, you know, I speak up and I believe and really feeling like they have the power to affect change on that systemic level, but also with our loved ones when they maybe experience something, being able to have that conversation and feel feel like we can have that conversation because a lot of people don't feel like they know how to talk about it or how to respond to somebody when that's happened. Well, Gina, thank you for coming in today and sharing about this issue. It is something that a lot of people need to learn more about. And of course, April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month. And congratulations as you've got a little bit of promotion over at the Friendship <laughs> Center. You're becoming the executive director. That's big news. Yes, a press release should go out soon. Uh, but starting next week, I will officially be the executive director at the Friendship Center. Well, congratulations. Thank One you. more time, give the website and the phone number of the Friendship Center so people can get in touch with you guys. Yes, absolutely. Our phone number is 406-442-6800 and our website is www.thefriendshipcenter.org and people can learn more about our campaign, the agenda, and sign up at our website. Thank you. That is Gina Baysdorfer with the Friendship Center. Sexual Assault Awareness Month begins tomorrow and runs through the month of April. I just wanted to step away from the show for a few seconds to tell you that if you miss an episode, you can always catch up. We're on iTunes, so find our show there or swing by coffeebreak959.podbean.com. Local and area events, city, state, and national officials, your neighbors doing incredible things. We talk to them all on Coffee Break, where Helena comes to talk. In today's always-on world, your business demands a simpler approach to network security. At Blackfoot Communications, we deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across Montana. Ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com security. I'm Troy Shockley, and that's it for Coffee Break today. Be sure to check us out on iTunes. Head on over. Give us a review there. That's always much appreciated. Or swing by coffeebreak959.podbean.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you back here tomorrow.